folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And we want to start the show by taking a moment to say thank you for all the love and support that you guys have shown us. Uh, we love getting your emails and your messages. We love reading the comments. So keep them coming, guys. I am I am such a nerd. Every time we get a letter from a listener or a message, I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'll, I'll like call sense and I'll be like, did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we absolutely love you guys. We love to hear from you. Uh, we'd like to see more of it, though. Uh, you know, we want to hear your thoughts and your critiques, whether you're, uh, you know, hitting us up on Twitter, it's at uh, Sense and Theory Pod, or if uh, you hit us up at the uh, Facebook, which is, you know, Facebook slash Sense and Theory Podcast. I'd like to see more uh, listener posts in the subreddit, too. That's r slash sense and theory podcast. Uh, we're hoping to lean on that subreddit to kind of gauge what you guys want to talk about. Uh, maybe <clears throat> Bigfoot, what you don't want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, we kind of we want to make this show about you guys. Yeah. Um, and and that's a way you can kind of engage with us. We'd like to see ideas for shows. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, comments, critiques, especially. I love to hear how I'm wrong because I actually am one of those people that likes to change my view on things. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you actually, if you spend some time in the subreddit and you keep a careful eye out, you might just see our very own fact checker extraordinaire who has been known to visit it quite frequently. What an asshat, man. <laughs> he is. He's <laughs> always in the comments saying some snarky <laughs> shit. I hate that guy. So anyway, we've got sort of a grab bag for you guys today, and we've got one story towards the end that'll probably eat up most of the episode. So let's go ahead and jump in and kick things up uh, out off with a follow up (laughs) with a follow up story. So uh, Virginia congressional candidate and all around worst dinner party guest imaginable, Nathan Larson, has officially announced that he is a pedophile. I I can't even. Is this is this real? Is <laughs> yes, this reality? This is How can you run real. for public office and say out loud that you're a pedophile? I, my man is he is completely committed to his views. <laughs> he has not blinked an eye. So basically, what happened was the the Huffington Post uh, hit him up for an interview. I guess uh, they had figured out that previously he had ran a couple websites, and they were they were trying to figure out if he was really behind. Uh, the website's uh, one. I'm, I'm going to say it's called Suiped. dot uh, org. It's, it's so is that like suicide pedophiles? Suicidal pedophiles. dot org. And then how does this tie into us? Uh, he also ran a website called Incelocalypse Today. Yeah. And because this dude apparently doesn't have anything approaching a campaign manager when the Huffington Post hit him up, he was like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that was me. That's me. Uh, no, I'm a pedophile. I'm into all that stuff. And yeah, let yeah. me reiterate that. The only reason we're talking about this guy today is because he ran a website with the word incel in (laughs) the name. Like, I don't think this guy deserves even a second mention Mm. at all, even a first mention, honestly. Well, you know, I think think it's important because in our incel episode, we, we did acknowledge that there are just awful, toxic people out there. Uh, in the incel community, and this guy was definitely one of them. He ran uh, that forum, and it most certainly showcased, you know, the the worst the, parts of yeah, the, the worst movie. of the worst. And yeah. and I, you know, I don't want to rehash the whole episode at all by any means. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because I got a message from a listener that was a little bit puzzling and troublesome to me. Um, and and I thought, why not? We should talk about it. So. Uh, a listener sent me a link to the news story on uh, Nathan Larson's election bid with a message that said, saw this somewhere and thought it might round out the incel experience for you. Hmm. And I mean, I was a little flabbergasted because we spent the whole episode talking about how the incel experience was not represented by the extreme. Yeah. yeah. And then here comes this one little smidgen of extreme out there. Yeah. And of course this might round out the whole experience for you. I, well, I, I would say, I mean, I don't think, I hope that in that episode, we, we never even sort of made the impression on our listeners that these people don't exist. Right. They exist. Yeah. No, we acknowledge that. Our point was, is that they're, they are not the sum total of the incel movement. Right. They're they're, not representative of the whole by, by any means. Right. right. Um, And and this guy in particular, it's interesting to note, 
He's not even an incel. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, to an extent, like he was just in it for the fun. You know, uh, this dude has been married twice, has a daughter. Um, and, uh, you know, he told the Huffington Post uh, again, just because he never wants to get elected to anything, I guess, uh, that there were grains of truth in essays that he posted on the, the two sites uh, where he fantasized about raping his ex-wife and a father-daughter incest relationship. As if that wasn't enough. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Nathan has actually served prison time for threatening to kill the president. Wow. Yes, that's right. The Secret Service has put him in prison for threatening to kill the president. Um, among a litany of other things. I can't yeah. believe we're even talking about this guy, but... But here we go. Uh, he said, we need to switch to a system that classifies women as property, initially of their fathers and later of their husbands. Mm. Now, if that isn't some backwards ass shit, man, I thought, yeah. thought we left that behind. Apparently not. I think we should wait to see how the votes go, because <laughs> if this guy gets an appreciable amount of votes, I think we'll know that either... I, uh, there's a lot of trolls out there. I don't think this dude has a chance of getting uh, a noticeable amount of votes. I mean, he might. My man, my man threw in kind words about Hitler too. Like he Oof. he looked at it and he was like, "Hey, there isn't a single offensive category that I want to leave out here. I want to make sure all my bases are covered." So uh, he said, or I think it was listed on his website that part of his platform was you know white supremacy. You know, so I, I think what's important to note here is, you know, the reason that I wanted to make sure that we got out all these beliefs is because this man is clearly disgusting and gross and troublesome and crazy, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, from from WAPO, uh, his platform includes legalizing child pornography as well as incestuous marriage, allowing men to have multiple wives and physically discipline them, repealing the 19th Amendment and abolishing state funding for girls and women to attend high school and college. Yeah. Do you think that this guy, if he hadn't been exposed to incel ideology, would be okay? Would be a productive <laughs> member of society? Would, would just be like, you know, he just, he'd have a normal job and everything would be cool. No, this man is fractured. He is broken deep down inside. And, and you know, he needs help, seriously. Yeah. But the point is, is that this isn't, uh, suffering out of loneliness. This is a whole nother beast. Right. You know and, what I mean? And like you said, he's, he's not even an incel. Um, you know, I, I had a hard time even figuring out why the hell we're going to talk, talk about him today. Yeah, yeah. But it really, it, it all goes back to that, that listener message. And I'm, I'm kind of scared that we're at a point where this very small minority can, can disrupt an entire group's identity. Um, you know, it's incels right now. No one gives a shit about ugly, disabled guys who feel like they can't get a partner, you know? But what if it gets weaponized? Oh, what do you mean? Well, uh, you know, the person who sent me this message is incredibly smart, uh, does research, reads a lot, uh, watches the news. They're not a bigot. Um, mostly treat issues with care and, and respect. And if someone like that is, like, ready to turn... And and pounce on a whole group for what one dude says. Yeah, like what happens when it's when it's another group? You know, say say Black Lives Matter or um, or you know all Republicans, which happens a lot, or, or yeah. all Democrats, or you know just pick pick a group, name yeah. it. Um, you know, if if one person can go out there and and put that label on their chest and do something terrible mm -hmm. and discredit the whole group, that makes it really hard for groups to survive. Yeah. Even good ones. Well, luckily, in the time since we did our episode, you know, there's been numerous uh, news outlets that have, you know, taken that balanced approach like we did and went and like, you know, looked at the incels, interviewed them, talked to them. I'm lying. No, they haven't at all. <laughs> uh, in fact, this guy was held up. Hey, look, it's an incel. You know, that's basically the headlines they ran. And it was everywhere. USA Today, HuffPo, Washington Post, New York Daily News. Uh, you know, it was absolutely everywhere that you look. And I mean, hell, now we've covered him. Uh, but when that gets held up and that gets pushed in your face, yeah, it easy, it is easy to fall into that trap yeah. because not everybody is going to go and create some, you know, crazy ass survey and, and find out for themselves and stuff. <laughs> so I, it's, it's one of those things where again, nobody's going to help you. We are going to have to be vigilant and stuff. We can't fall for these sorts of traps. 
right. in, in my opinion. Right. You know? And honestly, I don't think this is this guy deserves another second of our time. I, so I can we just move on. swiftly move on to the next topic, please? <laughs> what do we have for the listeners today? Well, we have uh, what I think is a pretty wild story out of Portland, Oregon. At the Back to Eden Bakery. You um, hate me, don't you? I, I do like making the show really tough. So, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but anyway, in order to, before we talk about this story, I kind of want to lay out what happened so everybody has a clear image in their head. So hit okay? us with the timeline. Yeah. On the evening of May 11th, uh, the Back to Eden Bakery closes at 9 o'clock each night. And they were winding down the store. And so we look, you know, after reviewing tape and everything, they found out that at 9.04, um, two white women came into the back to Eden bakery. And at that point, the two employees who were working were like, okay, we're going to cut it. You know, they were, they were cutting the line. So they said, you know, you're the last two getting served. They went over, they cut the open sign off and, you know, tried to work through the line of people, the people who were standing in line. Um, at nine Oh six, uh, miss Lillian green approached the store. Uh, she walked in and they told her that, that very thing. They said, Hey, we've already cut the line. Sorry. We're not going to serve you tonight. Stores closed. closed. Yeah. Open signs off. She, uh, became very upset. Miss green is black. She went outside and shot a short 10 second video that doesn't really reveal much, but she then went home and like, you know, set up her, her camera and gave like a, a mini interview about it and said that she felt that she had been racially discriminated against um, and that the only reason that they refused her service is because of their, you know, white supremacy and, and what because she was black and being because discriminated she was against. black. Absolutely. Never mind the fact that two white women after nine Oh four also walked in and yes. were turned away ahead of her. And in fact, I've heard that also that they, that they also told her that, the store was closed and they weren't serving anyone else. That Yes. According to a local uh, Portland news station, uh, two women had approached in that intervening two minutes, asked to be served. They said, no, we're closed for the night. And they told Miss Green on their way out. Now, back to Eden, put out a timeline of events and they do not mention that. But mm-hmm. the local news station, you know, did say that's what happened. So why are we even talking about this today? Well, those two employees who turned her away um, got fired the next yes. morning because of a massive outrage uh, on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the owner woke up in the morning, uh, her video had been spread far and wide among the Portland, uh, you know, circles uh, for activism. Yeah. Uh, the video basically went viral mm-hmm. um, and people were coming out of the woodwork, calling, uh, calling them racists. Mm-hmm. Um Asking, not asking, demanding that uh, these two employees be fired because they were racist. Um, and it's important to note that Miss Miss Green herself is, uh, I, I think her title is uh, neighborhood equality activist. Something like or, that. Or something yeah. like that. And then she actually does uh, some form of social work at the local college. And um, so, you know, obviously uh, she was already linked in to these activist circles and stuff. So yeah, the, the minute her video hit and, and it did, it created outrage within the community, but also, you know, on the internet at large. So here's the thing, man. I, I feel like if there was, if there was racial discrimination involved, employees should be fired. Right. Right. But from what I've seen and from her videos and from the statements that back to Eden has made from the statements that customers have made, that were present, there wasn't any racial discrimination involved at all. It sure doesn't sound it like it. It was just a case of, of closing times and coming in after closing time, which everyone hates, Yeah. Uh, and, and turning someone away for that. Well, in the, in the first apology that Back to Eden issued, they said these employees followed our closing procedure. They said uh, they might have followed it a little more uh, strictly than we would like, uh, but yeah, that is our policy of, you know, of closing at nine o'clock and cutting the line. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, man, I used to work in a grocery store and we closed at midnight every night and I would have people that would try to roll in at midnight and do a week's worth of shopping, and, right. you know, and make us stay. So what I got in the habit of doing was, you know, I'd turn it, we had the automated doors and I'd turn the doors off and I kind of pull them to, and I'd stand there and like 1158, 1159, uh, you can leave, but you can't come in. You know, right. I would stand there and I'd be like, Hey man, it's, it's too late. Like, what do you need? Do you just need toothpaste? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it, it would be on that basis. So I, I think that everyone who's worked in a job that closes late at night like that, 
uh, knows that that's a part of it. That's, you know, cutting. I mean, I think yeah. everyone who goes and, and eats at a bakery yeah. or a restaurant knows. I mean, you don't go sit down at a restaurant 15 minutes before close and order eight things off the menu. Oh, there's you people just who don't. do, but they're <laughs> what are brave we call souls. Those people? <laughs> yeah, we call them assholes. And normally the food that comes out of that kitchen, good luck. Right. And, yeah. and I think I think when you walk up to a store and the open sign is off, um, you know, you walk away. Although if you see people standing in line and you see people eating their food, sitting down, like maybe you pop your head in. Yeah. But, but if when they, they tell you, I'm sorry, we're closed. Yeah. You, you walk away and, and, and go home. So unless these people said, uh, you know, called her the N word mm-hmm. or treated her disdainfully um, or something to warrant an accusation of, of racism or discrimination. Right. I feel like this could just be nothing. Well, the interesting thing, and I think it would be, the, the interesting thing about this story is, is more so what happens afterwards, like, mm-hmm. like the process that we see. So like we said, uh, when the owners of Back to Eden woke up the next day, they Im- immediately fired off this apology. And they were like, uh, you know, we stand behind uh, progressive values. We certainly, you know, want to help fight white supremacy and whatnot. And, you know, they said that the girls had followed the closing policy and everything like that. But they were going to fire him anyway, which was a little troubling to me. Well, what had they fired? You know, they did that first apology. The outcry did not diminish at all. So they fired the girls. And then they issued a second apology. And I would like to read from that second apology. Um, they said, in this situation, it doesn't really matter that the two staff members working are not themselves racist. Because the call they made to deny Lillian's service caused her to feel like she had been discriminated against. They go on to say, sometimes impact outweighs intent. And when that happens, people do need to be held accountable. Since both Lillian and the clamoring public were demanding that these staff members be fired, that is what we did, putting these two young women out of work. How, how, does, how does impact outweigh intent? I mean... I feel like if your intent is to close the restaurant and your impact is that someone feels like they were discriminated against, whether or not it actually happened, that impact can never outweigh the intent. Basically, this says that it does not matter what you do. It matters what the mob has perceived you to do. Ooh, straight up. I mean, they said, so uh, Lillian and the community have have cried out for these two women to be fired. So we fired them because we have an obligation to appease the mob. Whatever the mob wants, the mob's going to get. That is that is what's being expressed here. That's that's a little messed up to me. Um, There's another statement from the bakery that was, for lack of a better word, troubling to me. Um, They said this isn't about crying white tears and apologizing in hopes of making this all go away so business goes back to normal and doesn't suffer. This is about wanting to learn and needing to know where our white privilege comes into play without realizing it. Our white privilege is as natural to white people in this country as breathing. It comes to us freely and flows through us without us even knowing it. It's the very air we breathe. But the fact that this is a hard lesson learned and the knowledge of yet more of our privilege comes at the detriment, stress, pain, and expense of a woman of color. Mm. Where, where is the white privilege in closing your bakery at nine o two? Yeah, where where is where is the white privilege here? I just I it's, fail to see it. You I, know, as much as much as I, I honestly believe that the the people who own this bakery believe. Uh, this stuff that they're saying in these various apologies. And, and guys, if you want to, there is a, we're, we're going to have a link in the show notes, but there is a comprehensive rundown uh, by uh, a really cool guy. Andy Nyo, I think is how you say his name. Uh, but anyway, he gives a rundown of all the apologies, the reaction they got and all that stuff. Um, I believe that back to Eden means it when they say that they're allies, you know, at one point they said we're committed to fighting, uh, you know, uh, we know we live in a white supremacist city and a white supremacist County and a white supremacist state and a white uh-huh. supremacist country. And, and I believe that, um, see, I, I have a hard time believing it because you don't think they believe what they mean. That's what I meant. Just to be clear. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that, that, that they actually believe what they've said Yeah, because there, there are other messages, um, that, that Andy has posted that 
where they they admit that they're just appealing to the mob. Well, so so how can you both appeal to the mob? No, I think I think you've missed I think you've missed one of the crucial elements here, right? Because it goes to their main argument, right? Like what's important. Remember remember what they said. They said it doesn't matter that they themselves aren't racist because they the denial of service to Lillian caused her to feel like she had been discriminated against. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like something that we've covered on this show? <laughs> Maybe in episode eight. It, it sounds like a subjective experience. Touche. Matters more than anything else. Touche. See, this is what's scary to me. All right. Like when we talk about, you know, postmodernism, it's this big, broad concept. But throughout this entire process, we've seen that her experience, regardless of what actually happened, her experience is what dictates the rest of the move. So what they're, I, I believe that they, they truly believe that if she felt that way, they have screwed up. And it's only their white privilege is why it's not obvious to them that they've screwed up. Oof. You see what I'm saying? So I wonder, you know, a white woman walking in. Uh, and getting turned away. At worst, she's going to leave a bad Yelp review, right? Right. right. Like, she's not going to get anyone fired, but, okay, for example, I was at an amusement park this weekend, Mm -hmm. and a woman was screaming because they closed down the wave pool because too many kids had peed in the pool, and they had to come put chemicals into water to fix it, right? So we had a half-hour break from the wave pool, and this woman is screaming, how dare you? I paid $400 for these season tickets, I could just go down the street to the next pool and they'll let us in. <laughs> so, so is her experience valid? No, you know, the manager came up and he was like, ma'am, we have to close the pool yeah. because there's too much pee in it. Right, right. Do you want to swim in a bucket of pee? Right, right. Then sit there for a half hour while we test the water levels. That woman's experience was yeah. bullshit. Yeah. So... I think I think the devil's advocate case here, right, is that because of the, you know, long history of oppression that black people have felt, there are things that white people might do that come across to them as, you know, racist or uh, uh, what am I, bigoted. Sure. Um, that we may not recognize. There is a case to be made. I, I agree 100%. However, we can't assume that any time Miss Green says that she feels discriminated against, that she is correct. There, there are things that might be in our blind spots, but we, we look at the situation and we say, well, I mean, these two girls were just closing the store, you know, but that's not happened here. And in fact, we've been on a runaway train of back to Eden, almost stumbling over itself, just completely drenched in white guilt, trying to fix this. So the, the first thing that happened was they, they asked to meet with Miss Green. Like in their first apology, they said, hey, you know, Miss Green, we'd like to meet with you. We'd like to discuss what happened. Uh, they were immediately criticized for imposing on her time and not offering to compensate her. Uh, so the, the next thing that, you know, they espoused their commitment to equality and progressive ideals. And in that, they were criticized for not centering Miss Green. For, what, what does that mean, centering uh, for Ms. like Green. So basically... In their apology, they kept saying, you know, like, we are committed to this and we are committed to that and we don't ever intend to. And the problem was, is that they were not making Miss Green and her experience the focus of that apology. <laughs> like her, you know, they should have been they should have been saying things like, uh, you know, Miss Green absolutely felt terrible and we've let this happen and, and things like that. Like they have not centered her experience in their apology. Uh Yeah. It's and, a little uh, weird to me. No, and it and it so so like I said, they issued a new apology in which they re-apologized for the first apology and then apologized for, you know, the whole thing all over again and immediately they were criticized for uh, you know, the above quote that we read where they said that the two girls weren't racist. So they looked at it and they said, "We know these girls, they were following the closing policy. We understand that your uh, perception of what happened is more important than what they actually did. We don't think the two girls are racist, but we've got to fire them because your perception is more important. They were criticized for that. No, these girls are racist. I don't know them. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Think about it. Like the people, people on the internet and people at large, like insisting that these girls are racist because they closed this and, store and deserve to be fired. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't it though. Um, they also said that they were going to undergo uh, diversity training. All their employees yep. would be undergoing diversity training, and they caught hell for that one, too. Yeah. Why? 
because they weren't going to be hiring Miss Green to do the diversity <laughs> training. Yeah, because that's what she As does if for that would be the rightful thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, a computer programmer gets wronged in your store and you don't hire him to program your computers. What? <laughs> what? So, uh, ultimately. What if she's a shitty diversity trainer? Yeah. Should they still hire her? Yeah, is it, is it because, like, she specifically came into the store and it, it's her? In fact, I would think that she would be the last person that we should hire based on like conflict of interest. Oh, and 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 that nasty little thing we like to talk about, bias? Yeah, absolutely. How could she provide unbiased diversity training to a store where she thinks everyone are frothing at the mouth racists that are turning people away yeah. for being black? It's absurd. Yeah, no, this whole thing is absurd. Uh, the store eventually, and, and this is where I think the store like just kind of they just kind of lost the plot, man. So they instituted a monthly reparations night where white people aren't welcome in the store and people of color are given $10 a piece and free drinks. <laughs> As if 10 bucks in a coffee is a replacement for, for 40 acres and a mule. Yeah. Man, maybe it's a good start. Yeah. I don't know. I, but- I, I mean, uh, why, be, we, in order to apologize for this, we have to restrict white people from coming into the store. We have to we have to give them a space where I and dude, free coffee and money. This seems like You know what? 10 bucks and a coffee is an insult. Dude, you're in a gentrified neighborhood. You're white people that came in and bought up property cheap as shit and used your your white wealth to turn it into a functioning business. Yeah. Give them the store. <laughs> Are you serious? I mean, if you're talking about reparations and you're serious and you're standing on your square, yeah, give them the store. If you follow that line of thinking, talk the talk, walk the walk. (laughs) I don't care, man. That's some that's some cowardly shit, and it's and it's insulting to act like a ten dollar bill and a cup of coffee is in any sort of way, shape, or form a reparation. Mm. I would if I were those uh, those activists in Portland, I would be more insulted at that than any of the shit that came before it. <laughs> Honestly. Well, I don't, I don't think they're insulted because I, I think they think that that's the least that they can do. They do want them to give the store. And, and if you follow that, that line of thinking, you're right. That is the, the progression, the natural progression of that. Why wouldn't they give up the store? Um, I, I can tell you this. I can tell you that after all these things that they've done, and after apologizing profusely and, and reiterating their commitment to being an ally with people of color and, and stuff like that, um, they are still, the owners of the store are still being called racist mm. by local Portland activists. Uh, one dude in particular, Cameron Witten, who I guess is a big deal. I hadn't heard of him before, but, um, but anyway, yeah, they're still being called racist. What in any of that statement, what in firing two girls for closing the, the store like, what gives you the idea that these people are racist? I mean, there, there's nothing to go on, right? I could tell you more stuff about them that would actually, like, make you stereotypically think that they're not. Right. But, but what I'm saying is, just based off the reaction that we've seen, what is there to suggest that they're racist? So when, we're, when we've reached this point and the mob is dictating, you know, things like this and saying these people have to be fired, put these people out of a job, doesn't matter that they didn't actually do anything that you consider racist. What exactly are we, we're dismantling the white supremacist patriarchy, right? But like, what are we replacing it with? Well, man, I don't quite see it that deep. I mean, the whole thing's a little puzzling to me, but at the end of the day, like, these shop owners can do whatever they want. If right. if they want to, if they want to kowtow and and, well, and apologize and no, I, w- I would say that they can't do whatever they want. Like like in a sense, yes, they can do whatever they want. Uh, they could absolutely have not fired these two girls and seen their business boycotted and shut down within I don't know how long. You know, because that's what was going to happen. I mean, like it, it's the same thing. Uh, let's not forget the two girls who, you know, appropriate same city, Portland, who appropriated the taco, the taco stand. Yeah. You know, so so no, they didn't really have a choice. Um, and but is that because black people have power in Portland? I, I mean, well, isn't yeah. isn't that breaking down the narrative of 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 being able to be racist because you don't have power? That's I mean, it's not power on the level of, you know, we're not talking about like Jim Crow yeah. or or generational wealth deprivation. Um, but 
it's something. You got two girls yeah. fired for, for <clears throat> making a stink over just about nothing. I mean, that looks a lot like it's stupid to say this. And that's why I think this whole thing is just is just stupid. But it looks like black privilege to me. Yeah. Because two white women who went in and got turned away did not have the privilege to raise a stink and get people fired over that. But a black woman walks in and now it doesn't matter what happened. If she feels like she was discriminated against. Yeah. She can get them fired and and cause that's that's a lot of power. I, I see I see what you're saying. I'm not ready to make the jump and say that they have power. It's still required, uh, you know. It's still required white voices and stuff. This whole this whole outrage machine. You know, you can't say that it was them in and of themselves that got this done necessarily. Why not? Um, because I, I don't. I think that's not what's driving the back to Eden Bakery folks to do what they've done. What I think is, it, it is this mindset. I think that the Back to Eden Bakery folks would take a stand for anything that they believed in. The problem here is that they never saw themselves being accused of such a thing. And when they did, I think it took them aback, and they've been scrambling to deal with it ever since. But here's the thing. This is why, you know, you, you almost... You almost like you're almost like laughing at the story, you know, and it, it seems stupid to you. And then I get it, but but let me tell you why it matters. For years, some of the craziest shit you'd ever heard of stuff stuff where people would look at a situation like this and be like, obviously those two girls were racist, was coming out of a website online called Tumblr. And when people would point to things that were coming out of Tumblr. You know, the, the left's answer would be, oh, well, you know, that's just people on Tumblr. Like, no, the, the mainstream left doesn't really believe that. The mainstream left isn't that kooky. You know? That's never really going to happen in right. real life. So then what happened? All of a sudden, we started hearing about people being deplatformed and safe spaces and colleges and stuff. And the reaction, I actually even had friends tell me, oh, well, that's just college kids. You know how college kids are. It's, it's no big deal. Nothing to worry about, you know. And so now I know what's going to happen. We're going to say, well, that's Portland, man. Like, you know, have you seen Portlandia? Portland's crazy. It's creeping further and further into the mainstream. Mm. And, and to not see the strain of postmodernism when we're talking about centering Miss Green's subjective experience over top of everything else, like you're a kook if you don't see that. I don't care if that's not what postmodernism actually is. Like we can sit there and talk about that. These people think it is. These people have latched on to that thinking. And they're using it to govern what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then you take that and, and this rush to flip, you know, we have to completely dismantle white supremacy. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody who is listening to the show and if today's your first day, I completely do not support white supremacy. <laughs> um, but I don't think anybody, you but know, the, the interesting thing is that I think that, hang on, let me, let me finish though. What I'm saying is in the rush to break, cast those shackles off, right? You run the risk of flipping things. And this right here is a portent of that happening. Like when I see this thought dominating this situation and I see it crawling out from Tumblr, out from the schools. Now all those college kids are in places like Google. And when James Damore drops a memo, they've got to take days off because of the, the deep anguish that he's caused them by having an opinion. When I see that start to permeate mainstream culture, we are, I mean, you are at risk of having a complete flip, a complete reversal. These girls' actions don't matter. They were white. They're fired. That's what this amounts to. Yeah, I mean, I see that. I guess I just, I have a hard time picturing where it goes that, that actually causes harm. I mean, in this case, the owner of the business decided to fire the girls. That's their decision. Like, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't really argue with them there. Um, you know, again, I feel like it's kind of empowering to to black people to be able to stand up and go, you know, I feel this way. Mm -hmm. And and those girls were fired because of it. Right. You know, I, I see it as relatively harmless. So to see yeah. you get so passionate about it, I just wonder, like, where do you see it going that actually causes harm? That actually causes harm. And I guess I guess so, those two girls lost their job. Yeah, no, that's exactly and what maybe I was they no, have kids. Wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Not only did they lose their job. They lost their job through no fault of their own simply because of the color of their skin. I thought we were fighting that. I thought we were trying to put a stop to that. Are you telling me that the only way that that can happen is, is if I do the exact same thing that we've been doing to black people for years to white people? It is a zero-sum game. 
Mm. One has to lose for the other to gain. Mm. Is, is that what you're saying? No, no. Yeah. I, you know, that's, so, not, that's I mean, not what I believe. I believe we can we can equally share existence. I think right. I think that we can come to a point eventually where where we have true equality the and problem, no one's over here complaining about discrimination because no one's discriminating. The anymore. problem is when the narrative is that all white people are, you know, well, they're privileged, right? So they have it pretty good. So it's not really like these two girls losing this job is really going to hurt them the same way that, you know, Miss Lillian has to put up with stuff every day. Mm. And, and, and we go down that road of logic until we get to the point where white people are dehumanized and then it's okay to do anything to them. Because they're all evil. They're all white supremacists. They're all part of the patriarchy. They're all, you know. Okay. And and that's where you head. So we've been talking about the slippery slope for years, and that is the slippery slope, right? And and that's kind of what I'm driving at here, is that the slippery slope is supposed to be a fallacy. It's not happening, you know. But it is. It's, it's slowly encroaching. And now two girls, funnily enough, probably didn't make very much. Yeah. And they're out of a job. The <laughs> yeah. one girl, in fact, was absolutely like she's trying to put herself through college. So I shouldn't feel bad for her because she's white. She'll figure it out because she's white. Yeah, not even because she was racist, because no one in the situation, aside from, you know, random internet people, no one that was yeah. actually there. Well, Miss Green. Is yeah. saying that, that there was actually, you know, racism going on or discrimination. Right. right. And, and it's, just, it's just understood that they deserve that mm. because of the color of their skin. Oh, touche. I, yeah, I think I... I think I see that. I wonder how far off of that point we really are. You know, I mean, see an iceberg coming and. Well, yeah, um, you know, you get into a question of, so are, so, you know, I said you got to watch for it flipping. Right. And so I would say that the biggest criticism that I'm going to take is people are going to say, you know, minorities are in no position right. for that to flip. That boat's not flipping right. anytime soon. And, and you're right. We're you rocking know? the boat. It's, but. it's not, and you're right. It would take, you know, some monumental things and it would take time. What I'm saying is we are making these steps down that path. Mm -hmm. Let's not do that. Let's right. go about this the right way, you know, because you don't want to see that end up so, that way. So what would the right way be to handle this situation? Um, you know, black woman comes in after closing, uh, gets turned away, feels like she was the victim of racism. You know, what's the appropriate way for a white business owner to deal with it. I'd say the same way um, that you deal with a white person with the same complaint. She'd make yeah. a Yelp review. You might respond to the Yelp review. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with genuine. You know, like I, I would say, hey, I genuinely feel bad that you feel that way. You know, and in fact, I know that they said that they didn't want their closing procedures enforced so strictly. So, for instance, they're saying that they don't want them to cut the line until 9, 10. You know, or why not or, just say you close at nine ten? Yeah, exactly. That would <laughs> that would be my question. But you know, if they want to tweak and play around with their closing strategy and say, "Hey, you know, we apologize if you felt, you know, here here uh, here's a coupon for a cake or something like that. Here's a free cake." That's that's fine. That's how you deal with customers. And I, I found myself going uh, coupon and cake as an answer to racism, but no, they actually gave ten dollars and a coffee. Well, as an answer it's to funny racism, you make that point, so. but but I would point out. That that's the problem. So you see that free cake as an answer to racism. It's not. It's an answer to a customer who felt like they got shorted. You don't right. answer for things you didn't do. Right. You know what I'm saying? You, I, I could see how you might feel that way. I under, you know, you try to empathize with them, but ultimately that's not what we did. So we're not going to apologize for it. And you know what I mean? That, that is what I would expect them to do. Mm, Touche. And uh, I think that about wraps up this story because there's nothing more we can really say about it. Well, hey, here's the good news. We're not actually going to leave the world of bakeries. Are you excited? No, I really, really hate you. I really, <laughs> really didn't want to do this episode, but here we are nonetheless. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's move over a couple states to Colorado. Uh, last week, uh, we got a, a ruling from the Supreme Court in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. That's right. And, uh, you know, gay cakes are back in the news again. And it's because the Masterpiece Cake Shop denied baking a custom cake for a gay couple's wedding. Absolutely. The Masterpiece Cake Shop owner did say he would sell them any cake in the shop that was mm -hmm. already made. Uh, so was not denying them service by any stretch of the imagine, imagination, excuse me, but would not make them a custom cake because he felt it was against his religion. Yeah, he, uh, so Mr. Phillips 
draws the line at, uh, you know, having to use his creativity. You know, he felt like if he was going to put, you know, uh, his art on this cake, that is him participating in and or giving his blessing to this ceremony and his religion prohibits that. So um, the case, you know, went before the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court had a lot of, you know, heady questions that they had to look at. And they ended up kind of sidestepping them, and we'll get to the decision <laughs> and all the boring stuff that everybody hates but I love later. But let's talk about some of those questions because we've talked about it um, tangentially here and there, you know, in various episodes, but we haven't actually, like, you know, tackled it head on. So I think the first question that this raises in this case is where does one person's rights start and then the other one's end, right? So. Right. Does this dude have the right to run his shop uh, in accordance with his religious beliefs if it's going to infringe upon the rights of someone who is homosexual? Well, that's a really, really hard question to answer. And I'm glad we've got, you know, Supreme Court judges who who are looking at this stuff and and figuring it out for us. I wouldn't want to be on that panel. But I mean, I think. When we're looking at the question, we have to understand that if we protect one religion, mm-hmm. we're protecting all religions. Mm-hmm. So I also don't like to, to compel people to service, right? So well, I see, feel like as a small business owner, and I run my own small business, I don't want to do, and it's creative work, I build websites. So I don't mm-hmm. want to do creative work for people that, that I ideologically disagree with. And, and I won't. So yeah. if, if a Nazi comes to me and asks me to build them a website, I want to be able to turn them down. And granted, Nazi isn't a religion. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was almost certain that after last week, we were going to use dog kicker instead of Nazi. Are we, <laughs> are we not doing that? Okay. If but a no. dog kicker asked me to build a dog <laughs> kicking website, I'd want to turn them down. Um, if, oh, a better example, if uh, a Muslim extremist mm-hmm. um, asked me to build a website um, that was anti-gay and advocated yeah. hanging homosexuals. I would absolutely turn them down. Yeah. I, and I and I feel like if if anyone compelled me to do that, that would be incredibly um, wrong. <laughs> well, so so the question becomes, where is that line? Because I think if we focus in on religion, right, then we're not actually answering the broader question, which is. When does it matter and when doesn't it? When do you get to only do the things that you want to do? Doesn't matter if we're talking about religion. Doesn't matter what we're talking about. Right. We've already established there are protected classes and you you can't deny service um, based on your affiliation with that protected class. So mm-hmm. you can't deny service um, to black people. You know, no one wants to see a return to Jim Crow era. And right. I think that's what some people see this as. If shop owners are given the ability to deny you know, custom service to a client um, because because they're they're homosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, then what stops them from denying service to other protected classes? You know, right. next you come in and 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 we don't serve Jews here. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't serve blacks here. So there there is a line, and and I would say that line lies right where this guy drew it. You know, he yeah. said you can you can buy a cake in my shop. I'm not going to turn you away. Uh-huh. But when you're asking me to celebrate with you and partake in your celebration by making this thing, you know, extra beautiful for you guys, and I disagree with it, I think I think there's a line. I think it sucks of him. He's a he's yeah. a shitty individual, and I wouldn't turn down a you know a, a website uh, for for a homosexual wedding, right? Um, but I might in other circumstances. And I think when we when we create precedents and and laws. They have to apply equally to to all religions, and yeah. and we saw that come up in this case specifically, right? Yeah. Well, I think I think too before we before we get into the the facts of the case, I think it also presents a question that that maybe needs to be stated the way I'm about to say it because I don't think people think of it that way. Are you entitled to someone else's art? Right. So like it, it's like you said, he offered to sell any cake in the shop. He he simply said that you know I'm not going to do this. And the first thing I thought of is how upset some bands get when a politician takes one of their songs and uses it for their campaign. Uh, well, not only that, there was a there was a dance troupe or something uh-huh. that blew up in the news because they weren't going to dance at Trump's inauguration. Right. And I think P- 
people, I, I hate to say on the left, on the right, but we do it all the time because you almost have to, but people mm-hmm. on the left supported them and said, how dare you make these dancers dance at Trump's inauguration? They don't right. believe in Trump's policies. They think he's this, they think he's that. Yeah. So if if you stand there when it's something that you agree with, You've mm-hmm. got to stand there when it's something you disagree with too. Otherwise, you're setting a double standard. I think. Um, I think the problem is though is that this issue has become conflated with that other issue, and it's it's turned into you know just more fodder for the what, for the culture wars. What do you mean the well, other issue? What I'm saying is the the issue at large of whether or not you can deny someone service based on you know your religion or. Um, their protected class status, stuff like that. Um, it's a it's a multifaceted uh, issue, right? So you're saying there were a bunch of people who who heard about this ruling and said, "Why the hell did they side with with the cake bakery?" Right? Um, you know, isn't this is just uh, the court saying that we can discriminate against gay people? Well, I yeah, I expressly saw it presented that way on social media. Was that you know, the comparisons to Jim Crow? Uh, the the terms denial of service, like I think it's important to again point out that he said you're welcome to buy any pre made good in this store. He did not deny anybody's service, but but that's getting lost in the shuffle. There is a difference between Mister Phillips saying, "Hey, I'm not going to create something for you. I'll still serve you, but I'm not going to do something special." Yeah, it's not like and, this was on the menu, you know. And and we actually had a discussion about this, and you asked me, you were like. Well, what if, you know, uh, say there's a bakery employee at a grocery store? And I said, well, you know, that's a little bit different because now it's uh, the grocery store's policy, right? So it's a question of are they going to follow that policy or not? If they say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to make this cake, then yes, they can be fired because when they were hired, the policy says we don't discriminate. Right. So you, know so what you I mean? took the job with the understanding that you might have to make cakes for gay weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, if you refuse on religious grounds, the company has ultimate reason to fire you because right. you can't fulfill your job duties. Right. And I think I think that would be a similar case to say Kim Davis. Kim Davis was the county clerk here in Kentucky. Well, well hang on, hang on a second. Issue hang on a second, because let yeah. me ask you this: What if, say, Kroger's has a policy, um, or? you know, a Hobby Lobby type grocery store owned by Christian conservatives that decide it's their company policy because they don't uh, believe in gay marriage, not to make cakes about gay marriage. Is well, that okay? Uh, to me, I, I think, I think so. I mean, so for instance, we recently had a case where Hobby Lobby uh, didn't want to uh, allow the employees, the female employees in particular who work for them uh, access to birth control through their insurance and took that to the Supreme Court and fought for that right. And I believe that uh, the Supreme Court ruled against them. Uh, Benzo can check me on that. But to me, I, I don't have a problem with it. If Hobby Lobby says, we are not going to provide this thing through our insurance because as the owners of the company, it doesn't gel with our personal beliefs, I think they should be allowed to do that. Woof. See, to me, that's a lot of power to put in the hands. It's it's one thing when it's a small business, Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a corporation, um, it's too much power. It's, no, for it's, one, bear in mind the Hobby Lobby is owned by a, a family, a private family. I mean, that's fine. But but if you allow Hobby Lobby to do it, then you allow Walmart to do it. Mm-hmm. So now Walmart can come through and say, well, none of our employees get access to birth control through our insurance. If like, they can make a compelling case that it violates their religious beliefs, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think a corporation should be able to have religious beliefs is what I'm saying. Once you've well, once you've created a corporation and you've rolled it up in this in this entity, that entity doesn't get to possess beliefs. And I think and I think that's the point where where these type of discrimination laws should get very very strict. I think they well, should be loose at a liberty level. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The question is the owner though. Right. So like Chick-fil-A, the owner of Chick-fil-A said that he doesn't condone gay marriage. Right now. Now, we don't have anything there where he restricted access or anything like that. But what I'm saying is if the owner of Walmart says that I don't believe in providing birth control, I'm saying that to me, we are violating their religious rights if we tell them that they have to provide that. Oof. Maybe it's time to to cut the. The religious bullshit. <laughs> I mean, huh? honestly, I just I feel like maybe it's time to to cut religious protections. Then, 
Um, so even I, even this guy, even Mr. Phillips with Masterpiece <sighs> Cake Shop? No. No. He's he's a sole proprietor, man. So he should not be compelled to do service for for anyone, right? Yeah. Except in the fact where he's offering a service on the marketplace. If it's on the menu, mm-hmm. you walk in and get served, right? Right. But if it's off the menu, then it becomes this this contract between you, this negotiated contract between you. Mm-hmm. So that creation is a is a new thing in itself. Okay. Right? So in the case of like, say, a Kroger bakery making a cake, um, God, it just it gets it gets difficult for me. What man. fundamentally changes about Mr. Phillips' position if he is successful in his business growth? Ah, uh, because of the the extreme amount. Of, it's the same reason we bust up monopolies. It's the same exact reason well, we bust up monopolies. No, we bust because, up monopolies because they dominate the market. So that's exactly what I'm saying. So right. if Kroger's dominates the market and they're allowed to have policies that that discriminate because of their well, religious freedom. Hang on. That's no is, longer just one little small pocket of discrimination. It's this huge pox. But there's a difference. This is where we've we've crossed wires a little bit by taking two things that are a little bit different and comparing them. Because on one hand, what we were talking about with corporations was their ability, you know, the owner of Kroger's ability to say, I don't agree with, you know, birth control. Therefore, I'm not going to offer it to my employees. That's a little bit different than, you know, saying I'm not going to sell cakes to gay people. Yes, me, ultimately, I don't think that you can deny service to a protected class of people. And I'm going to tell you why. Hospitals. Hospitals is what undoes it for me. Like if I allow the private owner of a hospital to say, well, I'm not going to treat gay people because I think they're icky, then we get into some terrible shit and I don't want to see that happen. However, if I am a corporate, if I own Chick-fil-A or if I own Hobby Lobby and I tell you from day one that I do not support pushing birth control and that is a part of it, if you come here to apply for a job, I'm not sure what the problem is with that. That seems, it seems weird to me. For one, Hobby Lobby doesn't sell birth control. No, no, no. We're talking. Yeah, we're talking about their insurance. I know, I know. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. Uh, that's that's a negotiation with an insurance company and an employee. To me, I mean, granted, the the employer chooses what insurance it, you know their 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 employees right. can get. Um, right through them. Golly, <laughs> golly, it's gross. So so really, I mean, I guess in your view, people being faced with this just shouldn't work at Hobby Lobby, right? Right. Yeah, if if the be, if the terms are disagreeable to you, right, then you go work somewhere that provides you birth control, or yeah, which is in direct, you buy your own birth control, which is direct counter to you know you were saying it's a monopoly, and I think we regard it as such. I see the argument made. What about religions who who don't believe in in medical treatment at all? Um, should they not have to? I guess no one has to provide insurance, right? Right. Yeah. No, they're more than welcome to not provide insurance and see how many applications they get. Just like I think Hobby Lobby is more than welcome to stand behind this policy and see how many applications mm. they get. And I think it's the same thing with this cake shop. Like I do think that at at the at the base, at the bare bones, you have to have certain protections in there. Again, my hospital clause, right? But at the same time, I want Mr. Phillips to be free to do to not be compelled to do anything that violates his conscience, but he is also subject to the repercussions of that. So if the word gets out around the town where his store is located that he, you know, has done this, he's refused to make this cake and his business is impacted, that's fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. That's right. the decision he made. Then we get into the issue we've we've talked about before of, of small towns. You know, ideally there's another cake shop down the street that will take the business, mm-hmm. but there are plenty of communities where there's only one cake shop. Right. Um, you know, that seems like a travesty to me, although how big of a travesty is a cake, but we talk about yeah. a slippery slope and it well, quickly becomes again things I, that do matter. I think there are things like hospitals. I think there are certain things that have to be protected. You have to have those protections. But I also think if we're talking about, you know, baked goods or if we're talking about, um, you know, home goods, towels, stuff like that, you know, things like Amazon and all that stuff are growing. And I, I think you look at that, that allows us the freedom to to be you know to be more free. Well, there's the no there's no it. custom goods on Amazon though. I mean you can't you can't go get a custom cake on Amazon. You can you can most certainly order custom things over the internet. Now whether or not you can get a the cake internet, there yeah. quick enough, you know I'm not sure. 
But what I'm saying is I think that has actually freed us from that a little bit, freed us from that argument of what about the person who lives in a one-horse town? Sure, a little bit, yeah. However, yeah, I definitely don't want the grocery store in the one-horse town telling them they can't come in there. And and you're definitely not talking about walking back protections on um, on serving people at a restaurant, say. You're yeah. saying if, if it's on the menu. Right, right. That's it, Yeah, no, that's absolutely what I'm saying. Yes, I do believe that we, we can't have Jim Crow again, right? right? So, but I think there is some leeway and I think people are, they're, they're so afraid of Jim Crow and, and rightly so to an extent that, that we're denying freedom to others, you and know, out I of think, our fear. I think the court in this case recognized that because part of the decision here was actually based on the fact that people came to other bakeries in the area mm-hmm. and asked them to make, um, anti-gay cakes. Yeah. And they were turned down by the bakery owners, said, right. no, we won't make your anti-gay cake. The Human Rights Commission was aware yeah. of those cases and sided with the bakeries in that case. Yeah. And, so, and so a clear double standard was present. And that is actually how we got the Supreme Court, as divided as it is, to issue a seven to two ruling. Traditionally, uh, you know, uh, Kagan and Breyer, two justices who would have absolutely like ruled against uh, Mr. Phillips in this case, but they actually came over because of the case made about the double standard. And also uh, turns out the, the Colorado civil rights commission, like one of the dudes on the commission uh, was caught saying things like uh, hiding behind religious, uh, religious rhetoric is the most deplorable tactic Da da da, you know what I'm saying? Ugh. So, so yeah, he's he clearly some crappy stuff. Clearly anti-religion. Yeah, clearly anti-religion, and so that's why I think this ruling is actually really important, right? So because they avoided the the First Amendment implications of this ruling, um, they tell you that this this ruling is very narrow. It's not going to have impact down the road. And if it was just based on the Colorado Commission uh, Civil Rights Commission guys' uh, statements. They'd be correct because then, you know, you just, if you're the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, you're like, hey, man, don't, don't say shit like that in public, <laughs> you know, and then, and then it just goes away. You can still be biased. You just don't say it. And right. And you're fine. But the problem is, is those test cases you were talking about where people called up bakeries and were like, hey, make me a cake that says I do not support gay marriage or, you know, what I'm sure they said some other incendiary things. Or, not, or go to a know. Muslim bakery and ask them to, to bake a cake with a picture of Mohammed on it. Yeah, absolutely. How dare you, right? right I mean, right. We, we you quickly see how you have to stand firm on all sides, even the side of the deplorables, yeah. in order to uphold this thing. And maybe we get to a point where we are legitimately having the discussion about the protection of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like religion has done all kinds of terrible shit, mm-hmm. and maybe it really is time to walk back some of that. But at the same time, I feel like there are people out there who are trying to pull those religions to, to better places. You had the Southern Baptist Convention call out Trump's immigration policy this week. Right, right. Um, so, you know, how big is that? All these people saying, oh, you know, it's the Christian right and this. Well, when the Christian right comes out against Trump, you know, stand with yeah. them. Actually, it was, no, it's more intense than that. The, the Southern Baptists are going to detach themselves from the Republican Party, is what they said. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better about religion all yeah, of a sudden. As long as they don't <laughs> attach themselves to the Democratic Party, that's fine. But no, to, to your point about looking at religion, I would say that, yes, you're right. I mean, obviously, religion's done some terrible things, but I don't think we need to especially look at religion in, in the, the sense of, like, personal freedom. And I especially don't think we need to look at like rolling back protections on religion because I think it's is is it's as valid as anything else. I mm-hmm. mean, I think your religion and and what you choose to believe is just as valid as if you believe in justice or if you believe in equality or if you believe in whatever you believe in. You know, and I and I think that those things also overlap. A lot of people have a sense of justice and equality that is born from religion. That's very true. So you should, again, I'm, you know, maybe it's the the kooky libertarian in me, but I think that, yes, I, I absolutely, you should be free to worship however you want. And the only place where we really need to look at it is when it starts, when it does, when meet, it starts encroaching mm-hmm. on other people's and rights we, and, and freedoms. Carefully keep an eye on that. But in this situation, I, I think we're pretty good. So, what does this really mean, this decision? What does this mean for us going forward? I mean, the people have said it's very narrow. 
mm-hmm. um, and it's not likely to affect much in the future. You know, what's your take? Well, it, it was really it was really interesting. I think that it will, like I said, affect things in the future because now you've put, for instance, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission in this rock and a hard place where if you're going to rule against Mr. Phillips, then this person over here has to put the anti-gay slogan on the cake. Mm. You know, so you've created that, that issue where there can't be a double standard and there's various cases around the country where we have florists, uh, photographers who are involved in weddings who have the exact same thing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to take these photos for a gay wedding, so on and so forth. And uh, like pretty much the next day, you know, a hundred briefs were filed with lawyers, you know, because right. of this ruling. So I think it will have a little bit more impact than people think, but they did again, avoid the first amendment issue. And then if you look at the court and the way that the the decision was issued, it's a mess, man. So I said it was seven to two, right? So you have two justices who dissented. All right. You then have four justices uh, on the other side, who agree uh, and say that they ruled for Mr. Phillips because of X and Y. <laughs> you have two justices that say they agree about X, but not Y. One justice says, well, I'm cool with this, but not that. So, I mean, like they're all over the place. And what it comes down to is, you know, a dude we refer to a lot, Anthony Kennedy, who's the swing vote. You know, he's the one who normally swings it. Like, for instance, in the gay marriage Supreme Court case, he voted the other way. So it went 5 4 for, for gay marriage. A lot of people thought this was going to be 5 4, but that double standard stuff cropped up. So I don't know that this tells us very much about the next time this comes up because Anthony Kennedy's getting ready to die. He's like 90 <laughs> uh, years old. He's not going to be there very much longer. And so the court, as it is presently constituted, because you have to imagine that Ginsburg, she's, she's 85 years old. Yep. They're not going to be here when this comes up the next time. So if let's say Trump appoints both those justices, uh, Ginsburg and Kennedy, which I think Ginsburg, she's trying her damnedest to hold out until Trump's gone. <laughs> but if he appoints both, then you could see a broad sweeping ruling on whether or not, and you could start getting into questions of, you know, are we going to have Jim Crow and stuff? It's something we got to watch. And I'm not trying to score a point here. I'm just saying the Supreme Court really matters, folks. Yeah. It really, really matters. I mean, basically, you have nine unelected people who get to decide these huge questions. So I pay pay attention, you know? Well, folks, uh, we've reached that point in the show where Beans is going to go over what we've said with a fine-tooth comb, point out all of our flaws and inconsistencies, and uh, basically just tear us down and leave us a flaming pile of wreckage oh yay are you excited because i know i am beans what do you got well fellas i'm having a hard time believing what i'm hearing this week since you said you love receiving criticism a lie detector determined that was a lie your old buddy beans is here faithfully week in week out providing unrivaled levels of raw criticism and you haven't changed your mind and ending this show yet I kid, I kid, since your deep body need to be criticized is evident in everything that you say on this show. Oh, thanks, man. Dude, that, that, that wasn't a compliment. Beans, I hate you. That hurts, since, because I love you guys. I love you guys the way Theory loves getting those emails and texts from his mom that he likes to refer to as listener feedback. It's really y'all's heart and resilience. I think it took heart for sense. Mr. Pry my gun from my cold dead hands, champion of the Second Amendment, to come out and say, maybe we should look at rolling back religious protections, guys? That's literally the First Amendment. Second Amendment? Ironclad. First Amendment? Meh. And resilience. Jeez, buddies. Look no further than the zeal and determination with which Theory screwed up Miss Green's job title. What was that, Theory? A neighborhood equality, community, activist, social, whatchamacallit the hell? I would have just said professional equality activist. Not Theory, though. When he's wrong, he just keeps plugging away. Hell, if we gave him three more tries, maybe he'd say tangentially right. I'm coming around, boys. 
like the good people of Cleveland, putting on their Browns gear. Week after week, I too am a fan. Fellas, back to you. Oh, well, geez, Beanzo, thank you for that enthusiastic love and support. That means so much to me. Let me tell you something else that means a lot to me. See, mm-hmm. me and Sense uh, had a discussion earlier today. Yep, we sure did. And I guess we're going to commit to the Taylor Swift thing because it's just so much more valuable to the show than the news guy voice. So Yeah, yeah the Sense, news guy voice sucks. Taylor Swift is great. In fact, yeah, cool, man. Um, today I have a special treat for the listeners. Uh, over the last few weeks, I have... Guitar? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I have painstakingly prepared a song that I would like to dedicate to Taylor Swift. I never agreed. I hate hate you both. I I hate you both. How about that? This is world-class producer and fact-checker extraordinaire Beanzo of the Sense and Theory podcast. I want to thank you all for suffering through each show to hear the righteous takedowns I drop on the fellas. Please go like and review us on iTunes. It'll mean a lot to the guys, but more importantly, it'll help keep your old buddy Beanzo on the air. There's links to all our social media in the description, and feel free and tell the fellas how wrong they were at Sense and Theory Podcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week to hear Sense and Theory get all up in their feels when I burn all their hard work down again. Beanzo out.